Well, welcome to Grace This Weekend. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if we have not met yet, I would love to meet you at some point. And so make sure to say hi after the service if you have a minute. And I am thrilled to be walking us into the next installment of this conversation. We've been in a series the last handful of weeks called What's the Difference? And here's what we've really been saying. We've been saying, let's take uh, kind of the, the boiled down message of the Bible, right? If you took the Bible and took the words that Jesus has said, and you boiled that down, we, we said that we would come away with a message, and that message is called the gospel, right? And gospel means good news. It's the good news that God wanted to announce to people. We said if we, if we took the good news of the gospel, and we took various faith systems and kind of compared them to one another, right? It kind of brought them up and asked the question, what's the difference between what, the, what Jesus had to say in the gospel and Islam, what Jesus had to say in Catholicism, what Jesus had to say in Mormonism, and looking at different and various faith systems and really saying, are, are these all the same or is there something that's truly unique about what Jesus came to say to us? And I think that's what we've been finding is there is a, a uniqueness to the message of Jesus and we've been having, I think, a, a lot of insights taken away as we begin to unpack this. And uh, we, we have covered so far, if you missed this series uh, or any pieces of this series, here's what we've covered so far. We, we walked in first with a message of the gospel and Pastor Jeff opened that up for us. I put it in your program. Here's a quick review. Here's the essence of what he said. Uh, the gospel is this. It's a recognition that I am a sinner. Right, that I have broken God's law, that has broken the heart of God, and so what God did in response is he sent Jesus, and Jesus is the only Savior, the only one that can rescue me from my sin. My salvation is received because of God's favor as a free gift. So there's nothing that I can do to earn salvation. I have to receive it from God, and I do that when I humble myself, I repent of my sin, and I ask God for forgiveness. We said that gospel message. Jeff kind of laid the foundation for us and said that this is the essence of what Jesus came to communicate to people. And then uh, over the next handful of weeks there, we looked at Islam and we looked at Catholicism and Mormonism. And let me just give you the heartbeat of this. I want to make sure we're clear. Here at Grace, we do everything, strive to do everything with gentleness and respect. And so we're not doing this to, to disrespect or to bash any other faith system. We simply want to strive for clarity. Right? We want to know what we believe and why we believe it, and we want to be able to interact with respect and with gentleness with those that believe something different. And so we want to have that clarity, and we also want to be able to interact in a clear way with those that disagree. And so that is definitely the heartbeat and the tone of our conversation. And what we want to do today is move the conversation forward. And today we're going to have fun. We're going to look at a conversation around new age spirituality. And new age spirituality is a very different thing than even any of the other faith systems that we've looked at so far. And here's kind of why. Uh, the, the new age, you, you may think of the new age movement. You may uh, think uh, if, I, if you would say, I'm a spiritual person. Right? Or if you would say, I'm a free thinker, right? that, that's all kind of the same thing. And we're looking at not so much a, a system of belief as much as a mindset in which I would approach faith. Right? So it's going to be very, very different. Somebody described it really well here in this kind of a, a third-party reference on what New Age spirituality is. Here's what they said. So the New Age movement uh, is really in a class by itself, Unlike, unlike most formal religions, it has 
no holy text, tune into this, right? No holy text, there's no, there's no Bible, there's no Quran, there's nothing to grab in which this group would say, that's my holy text that I would reference. There's no central organization, there's no formal membership, no ordained clergy, no geographic center, no where they kind of originated from, no dogma or creed, no statement saying this is what we believe. They often use mutually exclusive definitions for some of their terms. The New Age is in fact a free-flowing, decentralized spiritual movement, a network of believers and practitioners who share somewhat similar beliefs and practices which many add on to whichever formal religion that they follow. Track that. It says that their book publishers take the place of a central organization, seminars, conventions, books, and informal groups replace sermons or religious services. So here, here's what you begin to get with this spirituality mindset, right? Your new age mindset is where I, I am kind of at the center of how this religion comes together. And when I look at what I am searching for in life, right, maybe I'm looking for a breakthrough. I think that's often what drives people to interact with this kind of mentality. Uh, I, it's not so much the need for a savior as much as it's a need for a personal breakthrough. I wanna grow, I wanna develop, I wanna see, I wanna have a spiritual experience personally. And I, I, I want to transcend what I'm experiencing here on earth. Maybe it's more practical than that. It's I have a set of goals. I'm, I'm trying to pursue something in business. I'm trying to pursue something athletically or personally. So I wanna see something happen in my family and I've done all that I know how to do in order to accomplish that, so what do I do? I start to chase down other forms of power that might help me to accomplish the goals that I'm setting out to accomplish. It helps me to break through to this next level, helps me to accomplish business goals or personal goals, and what I do in kind of an eclectic fashion is man, I might grab some of the Bible because that's helpful. I might grab th- this practice from Eastern mysticism. Maybe I grab the spiritual side of yoga or transcendental meditation or maybe I grab some astrology and I piece this thing together and I kind of make my own religion, right? It's like religion a la carte. You know, I'm kind of picking the pieces that, that I like and I want. I put them together and I say, here's the, here's the phrase that would be at the heartbeat of this is, this is true for me, okay? What's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me, and this is how I interact with God, and you interact with God the way that, that you interact with him, and the, the version of this that we would see today more and more is a moral relativism, right, where kind of everybody can have their own God. It's up to you and what works best for you, how you kind of design that, so to say. Now, if you guys, uh, if you know me or you know any of my story, I would have said over the last handful of weeks here, I would have called myself, before being a Christ follower, I would have called myself an atheist. I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I would have said, I don't believe in God. And if you had to put me in a category of any of the things we've looked at so far, or any things we're gonna look at over the next few weeks here, I would have called, I probably would have landed uh, most closely into this category of, of being spiritual or aligning with New Age. By the way, most people who are into New Age wouldn't call themselves that, wouldn't self-identify that way. And here was me kind of as a, a young adult, right, in, in high school and in college, very, very, very driven. I had a, a set of things that I really believed, man. If, if I accomplished these things, I was running track, 
And then in college, I was in business. I thought, if I could hit these goals, man, that I really want in life, I genuinely believed that if I hit those goals, if I had those breakthroughs, it was gonna bring me life in a way that I've never really experienced it. You know, I was gonna find what I was looking for, purpose and meaning, and, and I was gonna define myself differently. I probably wouldn't be able to put all that language to it at the time, but, but there was a drivenness in me that was causing me to chase down pursuing these goals. And a buddy kind of knew that I was in this place. He kind of knew how I operated. I was working hard at accomplishing these, and, and he began to feed me some of these books that would talk about different practices that you could use to, to really grab hold of some power that's beyond what you've been able to access on your own, right, where you can interact and kind of the universe will help you. And so some of the things that I saw in there was the, the, the book encouraged me to, to visualize like my perfect race, you know, so I did this. I visualized my perfect race, you know, and then I hoped that the universe would make that happen. You know, that was kind of the idea. Isn't it? It sounds silly, but I did that, right? I'm like, I will do anything to access this power. I need a breakthrough. I'm desperate for it, and I want to find something to help me go farther in my life than I've currently gone. That was kind of my experience, what I would find in hindsight, this thing gone, has gone full circle, is the, the spiritual mindset, right? If I'm a spiritual person, I'm engaging this kind of approach to God is it's a very different approach to God than if I am a follower of Jesus and I'm interacting with God according to the, the biblical definition of who God is. So, so let me start us with that here. If you're taking notes, there's gonna be a different approach to God, a different view of God, okay? A different approach to God, a different view of God. So let me lay them out for us real quick. So here, here's how this would work. If I'm a Christ follower, right, I'm someone that says I, I follow Jesus, I recognize that, that I'm a sinful person, I've broken God's law, that I'm in need of God, and now what happens is I view God as, as a person to be worshiped. Right? He's a king, he's a savior, he's someone that has reached down his hand to rescue me, he sent Jesus to save me, and now I interact with him accordingly. The situation that I'm gonna find myself in, this would have been me in many ways, I would look and say, at least on the fringes of being a spiritual person or a new ager, I would look and say, I'm gonna interact with God as I need God. Right? So, so what I mean by that is this, God is not a, a person to be worshiped. God is a power to be used. And while I'll use the same word, right, that, that a Christ follower might use, might call this God, I might call this the universe, I mean something very, very different, right? So if I'm here, I might look and say, I need, I need God to be like a force in my life. Right, like, I, like I plug into the outlet to get power from God. Might call that the universe, I might call it God, I might call it the spirit world, I might call it creation. I might say that we're all God together. There, there's so many variations of this, it's hard to even pin it down. But at the end of the day, here's the key. I am the center of my religion and I am the one defining my relationship or my interaction with God. 
Now, you are all thinking people, I know that. Some of you may be thinking, uh, if I'm the one defining my relationship with God, doesn't that kind of make me God? It's a great question. And what we have to recognize is that if we're gonna in, engage looking at a spiritual mindset, a new age mindset, I truly am the center of that religion. I'm the one defining which parts of the Bible or which parts of other religious systems that I'm gonna take, which practices I, I should take and which parts I should leave behind. I'm interacting with God not as a person to be worshiped but as a power to be used, okay? And, and this will set us, we're gonna see this, this is no small thing, this is massive, right? Because my approach and my view of God is gonna set me into two very different trajectories. It leads to two very different places. And I wanna begin to unpack this and show you how it works. Galatians chapter five is we're gonna set up camp. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles if you have a Bible. If you do not have a Bible today, guys, we would love for you to grab one from underneath the chairs. And if you don't have one at home, take that with you, please. I would love for you to have a, a personal copy of God's Word that you can use anytime. And we've been setting up shop here in the book of Galatians uh, for this series for, for a, a variety of reasons. The main one being this is that uh, Paul, the writer of the book of Galatians, he would have started these churches in the region of Galatia. He brought the message of the gospel to bear in, these, in this region. People accepted that. They locked on. They were growing. And then a false teacher, a set of false teachers would come in, introduce a different message, a different interaction with God, and people were being drawn away from the message of the gospel and being drawn over to these false teachers. Paul now, as, as the letter begins to close up in chapters five and six, Paul is helping people to see the trajectory of where it leads if you lock into this false gospel, right? If you lock into a message, other than the message of the gospel, it's gonna lead us in a, in a, a totally, a fundamentally different direction. And, and Paul, the heart of a pastor, and he, he's saying, you gotta hear this, you need to understand this. This isn't a small thing. It's not a small difference. It's a huge difference. I want you to understand how this works. Galatians chapter five, hopefully you got there in your Bible or the one underneath the chairs. You can also open that app we just talked about and you can look directly on your phone there. Galatians five, starting in verse 16. Let's read through it and we'll come back and talk it, talk it through. Galatians five sixteen. Paul says this. He says, so I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Listen to them. He says, sexual immorality impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, is joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So let me unpack where Paul is leading us in the conversation. He's going to say, kind of based on where I position myself in relationship to God sets me in a mode of operation, we could say. So if I accept the gospel, the spirit that Paul's talking about here in Galatians is going to be the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. And here's what the Bible would say. When I accept the message of the gospel, God gives me the Holy Spirit. He is God. He helps me to live a lifestyle of worship where where I am focused on God. And by the way, worship, if you wonder what that word means, here's the essence of it really. It's it's whatever I live for, right? I'm worshiping whatever I live for, whatever I give myself to, where I give my time, my energy, my money, that's what I'm worshiping. The Holy Spirit's gonna lead me in a lifestyle of worship where I am gonna move towards God and live life with God and ultimately the Holy Spirit leads me to a place where I want what God wants, right? Where I want what God wants, okay? And the Holy Spirit's gonna lead me in that conversation, that, that approach to God, and he will say in what comes out of the Christ follower along the way is all of this, this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, right? All of these things are gonna be characteristic of a person that's positioned themselves this way, and this is the trajectory that God has them on. When we view God as a person to be worshiped, not a power to be used, and this is the other track that really Paul is setting up, and he's gonna say the flesh, right? That that word flesh is a little strange for us, but basically it means this. It means our sinful nature, our sinful nature. Here's the idea with the sinful nature. The reality is that we are all born with a sinful nature. An easy way to test that is just look at the Ten Commandments and compare yourself to them. It's very easy to see. Have you ever lied? Absolutely. Have you ever cheated? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever uh, loved anything more than God? All of us, right, kind of guilty. The Bible would say that we're born with this sinful nature, this flesh. And the key thing here is we are not just born with this sinful nature, we are slaves to it, okay? It moves us in a trajectory, and here's where it's gonna move us. It's gonna move us towards not the true God, but our own version of God, our own version of power, right? We're gonna utilize whatever we can to get this, what I think I want, what I think I want. And here's the thing, the sinful nature Right, which Paul's gonna say that the fruit of that, the acts of that are gonna, are gonna be selfishness, selfish ambition, vain conceit, jealousy. These things are gonna drive me. I think they're gonna bring me something in life. They will not bring me what I really want, but I'm a slave to this process where I, I want things I can't even fully explain why God in this view becomes a power to be used 
to kind of meet my goals or my agenda. Two very different paths, two very different approaches to God. When we look at spirituality, what I want us to see is this. All that's happened here when we talk about New Age spirituality is we've given a name to something the Bible has talked about for a long, long time, right? We've just officially labeled this and said, yeah, go down this road. This is the road that leads to life. That's what would be prescribed. This really is not a new thing. It's, in fact, a very old thing a spiritualized approach to God where I'm in charge of my religion and I invent it myself is giving it an official label. Here's the thing, this is why Paul would be heartbroken about his friends and his companions that are being drawn away to a message like this. Watch how it works, Galatians chapter six, verse seven, you go over one chapter, he wants us to see where this all leads. Paul says this, 6, 7. He says, do not be deceived. Don't, don't be tricked. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, their sinful nature from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Watch how this works. Paul's gonna say, man, when you, when you run down this road, this is the road that leads to life. Okay? You, you want joy, you want meaning, you want purpose, you, you want what you're really looking for in life, it's found down this road. He's gonna say, what I think I want, what I believe I want as I'm led by my sinful nature, right, to, to use some form of God that I invent, this road leads to death. It does not give me what I want. It does not deliver what is promised. It is a fundamentally erred road. It's not gonna give me what I want. God is not to be mocked as if God doesn't understand all of what's happening here. God is a person to be worshiped, not a power to be used. It's funny, I was, uh, I was seeing this happen in a microcosm in my, my family. I've got four kids uh, between eight and two. And, and at watching my children interact, it's amazing. You can actually like see biblical truth play out in real time. So I've got two daughters, I actually have three daughters, but my two middle daughters right now, they're five and seven, and I don't know what's happened to them, but they are at war with one another right now. And they absolutely believe that everything the other one owns, they are entitled to it any time they want it. Right, right? So it's, it's amazing to me how this happens. So this happened on my day off is Thursday, just literally two days ago, and all day long, you know, all I heard from the other room was, that's mine, I want the Barbie, I had it first. But it was like a female seven-year-old version that was saying it, it was awesome. It's really relaxing to hear that all day and I was like, what is wrong with you children, right? Where, where did you come from, you know? And, and, and I just listened to them all day long bickering. I had the blanket, she won't share. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. And then, and then they'd be like, here's the best part, they'd be like, dad, 
Make her give me the Barbie, right? They're gonna access a higher source of power to accomplish their little evil wills, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what's happening, you know it, right? And so they're like, they're like, I watch my seven-year-old, she's the worst, okay? She takes after her dad, it's fun, right? But she, she like locks into something that she wants, and here's the thing, she is absolutely convinced without a shadow of a doubt that if she got that Barbie, all of the mysteries of life would unfold, you know? And she would be completely happy as a human being. But you know what's true? You give her that Barbie, she's not satisfied. You know what she wants next? The iPad. Yeah, and you know what? You give her the iPad, she'll take over the whole house. Yeah, that's just who she is. It's, it's amazing. It's pretty amazing to watch it all play out. Envy, jealousy, selfishness, ruling my little children's life, right? And, and they access the highest power they know how to access, call on mom and dad, right, to make it happen. They're using us as a power. It's funny. Uh, one time, my, my seven-year-old, we had this conversation where uh, she got in real big trouble about it and, and for, for driving this way. And I looked at her, and, I, and she had tears in her eyes. It was after I disciplined her, and, and we talked it through. And I looked at her, and I said, Honey, like, why are you doing this? Why are you driving your sister crazy, trying to have what she wants? And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. She said, I don't know. Like, she doesn't even know why she wants what she thinks she wants, you know? And, and she literally, it was amazing to me. She said, Dad, I can't stop. She could not explain to me what was going on in her heart and mind, but you know what was happening? She was experiencing, this is amazing, she, she was experiencing slavery to her sinful nature. That's what she was experiencing. I'm being driven by jealousy in what I want and it's consuming me and I believe it's gonna give me something it's never going to give me, it never could give me, but I'm gonna do it anyway and I don't know how to get out of this, right? If her little heart and mind could get around it, she might say, I need a savior. I need someone to set me free from myself, right? And the slavery to what I want, I need someone to come and put me on a right path. Here's what's amazing. I don't know how to explain this fully except for knowing what God has said in his word. When I actually got in there and disciplined my girls, you know, I had to like break it up before they ruined and destroyed each other, you know. I want them to live. When I, when I got in there and disciplined them, you know what's funny? They fought it at first like all of us do. And you know what they did next? They settled down. I, I watched their security grow. And then they hugged me. I was like, why, why did it work like that? They're, they're getting along with each other. They're getting along with me. What happened there? Here's what happened. What, what they deep down wanted and what all of us deep down want is someone to help rescue us from driving towards what we think we want and putting us on the path that actually leads to life. That's what we're made for, right? We're made to interact with God and we're made for love, joy, peace, patience. It's actually what we're all driving at. This was my experience. I'm like, I think this is one of God's greatest gifts to me personally 
as I began to go down this road and I actually began to accomplish some of the things that, that I really wanted to accomplish, the things I really thought that would bring me life, and here's one of God's greatest gifts to me. Here's what it is. God showed me this, that this road, going farther down this road, will never lead to life. Ryan, getting what you want, getting your goals met, getting your name elevated, making more money, getting the next breakthrough, it's not where life is found. And as a 19-year-old, I had a crisis, crisis of faith where I realized I am not a good God. I'm not a good definer of my direction and what I think I want, I don't think is really what I want. So here's what God did. He, he broke me. He humbled me. Brought me to a place where I realized I, I know this path is not the path that leads to life. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So my friend shared with me the message of the gospel and I said, oh, and by the way, I had, while I'm doing this, running down this path, I have all this guilt and shame because I'm doing all kinds of things I know are not right, things I'm not proud of, and I don't know what to do with that guilt and shame. Right? I tried to manage that as I chased things down, but, but I knew that I was a sinful person. I wouldn't have used that language, but I knew it in an experience. And so... God used my friend to share with me the message of the gospel and I said, all right, Lord, I'm in. I need a different path. I, I wanna want what you want. I don't today, frankly. I, I believe that life was found with, with pride and with sex and with money and with accomplishment. I believed that. I said, Lord, I, I know that farther down this road doesn't lead to life. I'm done. Help me, save me. And I gave my life to Jesus, and my, my life was set on this trajectory. I have veered from it many times, as any Christ follower does. We don't do this perfectly. But man, we're on the right road, right? We're on a road that leads to life. And I just want to recognize there, there's got to be uh, some of us here that are here for the first handful of times, and and as I'm describing my journey, you might say, man, I know that road. I've lived that road. And I, I believe that if I got what I wanted in life, it was gonna deliver something that I'm, I'm not convinced anymore that it delivers. Guys, if that is where you are, let me be the one to tell you from my experience what you're looking for is the gospel. You're looking for Jesus. And when you find him, you're gonna find what you actually want, what you're actually striving for. Not what we think we want, but what we're made to want. If you've never made that decision to accept Jesus as your savior, would you do that today? To look and say, God, I'm on the wrong path. I need your forgiveness sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry that I've elevated myself above you and tried to use you as a power instead of worship you as a person. 
save me. If you've never made that decision before, guys, make that. It, it will be, I promise, the most life-changing decision you will ever make in your life. I promise it has been true for me. If I find myself on this path, I accept the gospel. As for the rest of us, I saw myself in this this week. I, I noticed personally that there's a temptation for me to drift back up here, right? right? To, to drift back and begin to interact with God as if he's my equal sometimes. Let me just say this. I mean this in love. God is our friend. Friends, he is not our equal. He's not our equal. He is our God. And he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our time and our attention and our heart. And I see this temptation in myself where where I begin to drift and I begin to see God mostly as someone that should deliver on my agenda. And I begin to drift into believing that this is actually what brings me life. Is that we do this even as Christ followers. So I begin to ask myself this question, God, have I, have I depersonalized you? Have I started to interact with you, God, as a force? And are most of our conversations around you delivering what I want, or am I interacting with you as God? Guys, if you, like me, find yourself drifting up like this, the answer for us is actually the same. We become right with God through the message of the gospel and then we grow in our relationship with God through the message of the gospel. So this week, literally over the last few days, I've had to say, God, I am sorry that I've treated you as equal, that I've depersonalized you, Lord. I, I recognize that you are a person, you are a king that is worthy of my my heart and my attention, and I want to want what you want. Watch what happens. When we correct our relationship with God, when we humble ourselves and get ourselves situated the way that we're created to interact with God, you know what happens? We begin to want what God wants. Slowly but surely, our affections and our hopes and our dreams begin to match the hopes and the dreams of our God. It's never going to be perfect, but more and more we can long for the life that Jesus died to give us, and this is where life is found. This is why Jesus came to die, to give us the message that leads to life. He's passionate about us. In the life that we find we enjoy today and we will enjoy in the future in heaven, it's the road that leads to life. If I need the message of the gospel for the first time, I accept it, I humble myself. If I'm drifting away from a proper relationship with Jesus, I re-engage the message of the gospel and I humble myself.
Am I interacting with God as a person to be worshipped or a power to be used? It's the question we walk away with today. Guys, I'm going to have the band come out. I want to pray for us. This goes deep. Let's talk to our God as the one true God who loves us. Father, we say thank you that your grace is ever-present for us. Lord, it, it covered and it forgave me, Lord, when I was using you to get what I wanted. You forgave that in me, Lord. And you forgive me even when I drift. And God, I pray that you would help us to see you for who you are. The one true God that has set us free from ourselves and from our sinful nature, Lord. You give us another road to take. Lord, help us in our temptation. Help us in our faith to believe that your road is truly the road that leads to life. Speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. We need you. We love you. You're worthy of our worship. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.